0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: This is MPB News.
0: Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast.
2: and the Get to College program, offering Mississippi families free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance to Mississippi students of all ages. More at gettocollege.org.
0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Friday, February 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show...
3: Shame on you because there are people that really need the vaccine... And you should wait until it is your turn.
0: Mississippi's vaccine rollout is drawing attention from neighboring states as outside residents cross state lines to get shots. And the mayor of the capital city institutes a curfew in an attempt to curb crime. Then we examine how Mississippi's Hispanic communities have withstood the coronavirus pandemic. Plus, the Senate passes a teacher loan repayment program. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State health officials are adding new drive through vaccine appointments weekly, trying to meet a growing demand for coronavirus inoculations. Residents 65 and older, as well as residents 16 and older with underlying health conditions, are eligible. Those qualifications also extend to those who live outside the state but work in Mississippi. Now, health officials in Mississippi are concerned about a growing number of out-of-state residents coming into the state to get the vaccine. The state does not require identification to get the shots. Mississippi has a limited number of doses that are dedicated to those qualifying residents and out-of-state workers. Liz Charlotte, spokesperson with the Department of Health, shares more with our Kobe Vance.
3: Dr. Dobbs, our state health officer, made a statement at the beginning of this um, that we would not put up any barriers anyone who lived in Mississippi or worked in Mississippi as long as they met the eligibility requirements. So if you are, you know, 18 to 64 with chronic conditions, older than 65, um, if you – if you qualify if you're a frontline health worker then we we don't ask you to prove anything so that is because our state health officer wanted to ensure that all mississippians all people who live in mississippi and are eligible can receive a vaccine so we have had about 5,337 at the last count uh, people from out of state but we do have people from out of state that do work in Mississippi we have people from Louisiana and Tennessee and Alabama surrounding states so we hope people will do the right thing and that's what our system is set up on Dr. Dobbs said at a press conference a few weeks ago shame on you if you abuse the system shame on you Shame on you because there are people that really need the vaccine and you should wait until it is your turn, whether you live here or Alabama or in Mississippi. But if you work in Mississippi, live somewhere else. But work in Mississippi, you can get the vaccine if you're eligible. And if you live in Mississippi, you can get the vaccine if you're eligible. So we're trying to do the best we can to um, impact all of those that either live or work in Mississippi and minimizing the transmission of this disease.
1: I saw the email you all sent out earlier um, about how people yeah. will be get, scheduling their second appointments. Um, uh-huh. With that, will, will the website still be up just so there's not confusion um, well, Like if people have just gotten their vaccine recently, will, could they still go on the website to schedule their second dose or do they need to get that email?
3: As of the time that the press release went out, second doses were taken off the scheduler. OK, so there's no way on the scheduler and there is a message on the scheduler. We are doing this system to make it hopefully more convenient and less confusing. So right now, if you get your first dose today, you will receive an email with instructions on how to go about getting your second dose. And second doses should be much easier to obtain than the first doses and we know there is such a great demand out there and our supply is limited and we only have so many available appointments and so that's why we really have to ask people to please be righteous and if you don't fall in one of the groups please don't schedule an appointment
1: you know you mentioned 5000 uh about 5000 people from out of state that may be working in mississippi do you think that the uh the number of people that are coming from out of state to mississippi that don't work in mississippi is is a a big drop in the bucket
3: i have no way of knowing that because we don't ask for any identification if you come in and say you have a chronic disease we don't say prove it If you say you work in Mississippi but live in Louisiana, we don't say prove it. That's not what our system is set up on. It's set up on a a trust system, and our goal is to prevent the spread of disease for anyone who lives in Mississippi or works in Mississippi when they qualify. And I really think if people would be righteous and follow the rules, uh, we, we, would, we would be in, in, in better shape.
0: This Charlotte is a spokesperson for the Mississippi Department of Health. Coming up, the mayor of the capital city institutes a curfew in an attempt to curb crime. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The mayor of Mississippi's capital city is issuing a curfew in an effort to curb crime. Jackson Mayor Shokwe Antar Lumumba announced a proclamation of civil emergency yesterday that places a curfew on residents under the age of 18 from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Lumumba says the city's youth are engaging criminal activity because the pandemic has stripped them of the social structures they typically rely on, rendering them vulnerable.
2: As we know, as we've been dealing with the pandemic, uh, many of the social structures that our young people depend on have rendered them vulnerable at this time. Uh, Those are the social structures that they normally thrive under, uh, and we have not been able uh, to extend those social structures to them. Uh, And we have far too often uh, found many of our young people in in unorganized capacities um, and, and at a higher risk. Uh, than than most residents and so I believe that we have to do everything that we can to protect the health and safety of our residents and in order to work in their welfare. Uh, The civil emergency uh, was recognizing the conditions in which we believe uh, provide uh, for a extraordinary circumstance uh, and the curfew can only be issued after a civil emergency is extended. And so uh, we do not believe that this is the panacea. We do not believe that, that this is the sole means by which, uh, you know, some of the, the more violent crimes that we have seen, uh, some of the burglaries that we have seen uh, may reduce. And we do not put all of crime at the foot of our young people. Uh, but we do think that this is part and parcel of a multifaceted approach in which we'd like to see. Uh, an effort go forward that protects our young people and protects our residents at large.
0: The mayor cited a recent wave of criminal activity involving the city's youth as the impetus for this proclamation.
2: There have been a number of, of instances, as I mentioned, uh, where we've uh, understood that there's been participation in, in certain burglaries, uh, and it has been uh, the, re- the report of the police department that there have been some younger actors involved. And we've seen an increase uh, an increase in their involvement in, in some of the nefarious activities. Uh, we've seen a number of young people killed. Uh, the events of last week, while it would not have been within the time frame of the curfew, we have witnessed uh, the homicides of many of our youngest residents uh, within recent months. And so, as I said, this is sincerely an effort for their protection
0: Lumumba says the curfew, which began yesterday and extends for five days, will be enforced through existing juvenile delinquency statutes.
2: The penalties are going to be in accord with the uh, Mississippi Youth Court statutes uh, under the Juvenile Justice and and Delinquency Act um, Prevention Act, so uh, the normal manner in which juvenile uh, delinquency is is adjudicated, and, and the proper authorities and, and court systems that deal with delinquency of minors uh, will have jurisdiction over any violations. Uh, and we will be looking for the support of our law enforcement, um, as well as I have been. It has been indicated by some of the leadership over at the uh, Hines County Board of Supervisors uh, that they are going to try to engage the uh, sheriff's department as well, uh, and so. This is not in an effort to, one, criminalize our young people, nor is it in an effort to, you know, put put the issues of crime solely at their feet, but it is an effort to protect them. Uh, We are trying to protect our young people and and also extend uh, the protection of the health and welfare of our residents by and large.
0: Shokwe Antar Lumumba is the mayor of Jackson. Coming up, we examine how Mississippi's Hispanic communities have withstood the coronavirus pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at MPBOnline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Hispanic residents account for over 3% of COVID-19 cases in Mississippi and 1% of related deaths. Advocates say some in the Hispanic community cannot afford health insurance and avoid immediate care, placing them at higher risk of severe outcomes from the coronavirus. Now, with the state ramping up vaccine distribution, many in Mississippi's Hispanic and immigrant communities are wary of getting their shots. Only one vaccine. Uh, only 1% of Mississippians who have received a coronavirus vaccine identify as Hispanic. That's according to state health officials. Louis, is- Louis Espinoza is with the Mississippi Immigrants' Rights Alliance. He shares more about the Hispanic community's pandemic experience and its members' reluctance toward the vaccine with our Kobe Vance.
4: We have to remember the Hispanic community. They have been working, uh, especially in the chicken uh, plants for many years, and, uh, but they don't have uh, any kind of, most of the people, they don't have uh, insurance. So the moment they start to have uh, problems with the pandemic, uh, many of the families, they have been sick, sick and uh, they have no way to get uh, uh, medical assistance. So they suffer, many times they suffer just getting together in houses and just try to survive.
1: When it comes to that, is that leading to more severe health outcomes when people aren't seeking that medical attention?
4: Yeah, yes.
1: How are are people uh, seeing the the pandemic in their communities? Uh, What is their perception of it? Is it is this something that has been just devastating um, over the past few months?
4: Yes. Yeah. It was a, not completely devastating, but uh, because you have to remember all those families, they come here and they take a, a lot of uh, risk coming here uh, just because they want to have a better life. They want to have a very, uh, very future for the kids, for the family. So, what happened is just one more thing they have to deal with, and uh, let's keep moving, let's keep uh, working. So, uh, yes, uh, sometimes they had a problem because, like I said, if the, even if, I, I, I remember, I know, many cases where they have to go to see if they uh, they, they didn't know anything to start, like everybody asked about uh, the COVID. Yeah. So they feel sick. They Maybe they have a flu. They, they think maybe they have a just a small, uh, you know, something small. But they, when they start to feel more, more, more sick, so then decide to go and see if they have the COVID because they start to listen about the COVID. But the problem they had is because they went to the clinics around the towns where they live, and the clinics charge uh, a lot of money. Just to you know, to it's not only okay. I want to have it because when everything starts, the clinics they not only try to give the the, you know the test, but they go first to have a examine, medical examin. So the bills sometimes go 500 dollars and up. So it was really economically for the families was really bad because they had to pay that because they don't have insurance. They have uh, they don't have any kind of to cover that uh, money from any any kind of uh, insurance.
1: How has been how has the vaccine been received in the uh, Hispanic community here in Mississippi?
4: We are working on we are working on because uh, there is a, in any every language is so many different uh, ideas, uh, theories about. Uh, now they are gonna control us. They are gonna know where I live. So uh, most of the community, the people in the community, they try to just go in. You know, low. Uh, Way so they they, they don't want to show up everywhere because what they want is just work and keep raising the kids so no and they don't know too much about uh, the right now about the vaccine we has been uh today last week we had a Zoom with the health department trying to explain the community about uh, the the vaccine and how it's gonna work. Next week we have another one with Dr. Fachi Fachi and Dr. Dobbs. So uh, we, yeah, they they really are working, trying to reach the community and trying to explain about uh, how important it is to everybody get the vaccine. And uh, we try to explain them uh, person to person. Uh, that's what uh, I am doing. Explain them when I have the opportunity and I have a meetings with the people in different cities. Uh, We have to do that. Even we have to do, actually the next week I'm going to have the, myself, I'm going to have the vaccine and uh, I'm going to make a short video to to put in our pages so they can, they know me. So I hope that that is going to help them to, also many of the persons feel comfort because uh, we are doing that too.
0: Louis Espinoza is with the Mississippi Immigrants Rights Alliance. Coming up, the Senate passes a teacher loan repayment program. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
5: Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learns their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A college loan repayment program designed to attract graduates to teach in Mississippi schools is on the way to the House after passing the Senate yesterday. The three-year program would provide money annually to pay down the teacher student loan debt. Democratic Senator David Blunt of Jackson says the repayment would be more effective than the handful of loan forgiveness programs already on the books.
5: The loan forgiveness programs are inefficient and in some cases have default rates, they vary from program to program. So what we are attempting to do today is consolidate all of those existing programs into a single loan repayment program. Now what's the difference between a loan repayment program and a loan forgiveness program? A loan forgiveness program is something that you sign up for while you're in college and you get the money to go to college And you agree to go teach in a Mississippi public school, and if you do that, your loan is forgiven. But what happens, of course, is uh, people's plans change. Maybe they choose not to go into the teaching profession. Maybe they move to another state. Maybe they teach for a year and decide they don't want to teach anymore. And then that loan uh, is outstanding, and the state essentially has to become a collections agency to go get its money back. A loan repayment program doesn't have a default rate. The default rate is zero. A loan repayment program works like this: you graduate from college, and this is a staggering statistic. The average Mississippi college student loan debt is between thirty-five and thirty-seven thousand dollars. So, you most Mississippians graduate from college with significant student loans. Uh, then. We say to those uh those young people graduating from college, if you agree to come teach in a Mississippi school, we will pay down your student loan debt. And then the teacher or the, the, the person enters the teaching profession and they teach at the end of the year, they go to the Office of Financial Aid with a piece of paper it says, I taught, the state of Mississippi writes a check to that loan provider and the principal on that loan is reduced by that amount. That's the way a loan repayment program works.
0: Under the program, all public school districts in the state would qualify. In all, teachers in a school district not designated as a critical needs shortage area could receive up to $10,500. Teachers in districts designated as critical needs shortage areas could receive up to $16,500. Republican Chris McDaniel inquired about the overall cost of the program and how much total student debt the bill intends to provide.
5: Yes. 80% 80% of the teachers go into a non-critical needs district, and 20% go into a critical needs district. And I don't have any way of knowing. That's just a number I made up. Uh, then you're talking about $3.9 million per year. 3.9? 3.9. 3.9, yes, sir. That will be each year. And that, that money is coming from the uh, general appropriations? Yes, Is the idea uh, to pay back the entirety of these teachers' loans over time? Is that, is that the idea? No, it's wow. not. Uh, if you, under what we're proposing, and again, these numbers are subject to change, if you go to a non critical need shortage district and become a teacher, your total award, to, uh, not your award, the, number that go, the amount that goes to pay down to your college loans would be $10,500. So if you graduate with the average amount of college student debt in Mississippi and you owe $35,000, you still owe twenty five thousand dollars. But but we would have paid down ten thousand five of your money.
0: Another education bill authored by Education Chairman Dennis DeBar passed the Senate yesterday. It requires the State Department of Education to issue a Mississippi license to any teacher who has a valid out-of-state license within 14 days of receipt of the application. Teachers receiving reciprocity would still be subject to a background check before being hired by a district under a separate statute. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.